0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: All the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land. Remember that. And I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Amen. (laughs) These are not loosely framed promises. He says, I want to do some powerful things in your life, Jacob, and I want you to understand that I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said how dreadful or our word perhaps more uh, in our language how incredible or how awesome, how dreadful he said is this place. This is none other but the house of God. Now you need to remember that it was just a few rocks. But he said this is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took, the stone which he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob bowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way <laughs> that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that i come again to my father's house in peace then shall the lord be my god and this stone which i have set for a pillar shall be god's house and of and of all that thou shalt give me i will surely give thee give the tenth unto thee i want to preach to you this morning from this subject and it's far more than a title to me. I, I want it to be the, the mainstay of my life. I want to preach to you from this subject today. Don't let me forget Bethel. Don't let me forget Bethel. Now, I'm just going to preach to myself today, and I'm glad you've come to join in. But I need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God to speak expressly in this place today. And I ask you, God, that whatever you do, don't let me forget the promises that you've made all along the way. Because you said, Lord, I won't leave you until I bring every one of them into fruition in your life. And I pray, God, that I'll understand this is far more than an oily rock in a sandy place. But, oh God, this is your house. And Jacob said this is even the very gate of heaven. And I pray, I pray, God, that you'll just touch me today and anoint us together, Lord, as we gather and warm our heart and our soul around the eternal flame of the truth of your word in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated this past this past Wednesday night <clears throat> this past Wednesday night i shared a second video of our general conference that just concluded a few weeks ago in it, brother david bernard our general superintendent preached a very powerful message about the name of Jesus. Now, I wanna just say something this morning that I understand that sharing a video in our service is somewhat unconventional. I mentioned this on Facebook on Thursday. But I do feel that from time to time to share certain things with our church, there's no other way for all of us to possibly center ourselves around uh, those 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 things and and uh, and so, while I realize it's a little bit even admittedly difficult for me sometimes to plug in I, I I'm thankful for what we felt and heard and what was planted in our heart. When I got home Wednesday night, the Lord began to deal with me about this service this morning, and as I thought up, up, upon these passages of scriptures i I got home and I sat down and turned to Genesis 28 and began to read over this this age-old story. As I began to allow the Word of God, even in its familiarity, to just once again touch my heart, I just felt the Lord was just pushing in a certain direction. And as I thought on this Thursday and. And uh, in Thursday night, and then more along the days of Friday, something began to really resonate in my heart. And then on Friday night, I had the opportunity to be at our prayer conference, and many of you were there. Thank you for that, by the way. And we heard some very powerful preaching and teaching. and, And what I heard, what I heard Friday night, began to solidify some things that I have been feeling since Wednesday in my heart. I read to you just a portion of the life of a man by the name of Jacob, and I understand that for the most part, people that are sitting here this morning in this adult class understand Jacob, and you know at least a little about his life. But I wanna take a closer look today at his life and see if we can just glean a little something fresh. How about that? Amen, I believe there can be a fresh anointing on some old stories. Without a doubt, Jacob was and he is one of the great patriarchs of the Old Testament. But at times, Jacob, if you, if you have ever studied the life of Jacob or know anything about him, you do know that in addition to him being a patriarch of the Old Testament, at times, certainly early on in his life, he was a schemer. He was a very sly and slick individual. I think we could even... Carefully, and, and uh, but accurately, call him a manipulator. Uh, we've met several Jacobs along the way in our life. Can you say amen to that? God established his covenant with Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. And so we understand this kind of slippery guy at this particular point in time. But if you look back, if you look back over the shoulder of Jacob, we understand that God established his covenant with his grandfather, Abraham. And then God continued that blessing through Jacob's father, Isaac. And now it is being continued into not only Jacob's life, but into the descendants of Jacob. Because much of what I read to you about the the promise of God to Jacob sounded so similar to the promises that God made Abraham. And uh, he said, Abraham, wherever the sole of your foot touches, wherever you walk, I'm gonna give that to you. And your, your seed is gonna be like the sands of the earth. And now we see Jacob in this, in this desert scene, laying on a rock, but the Lord moves on him in the night. And he said, the land, the place where you're laying, I'm going to give that to you and to your children, to your descendants, and I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to touch them. And so we see this channel of blessing as it begins in Abraham, and then in Isaac, and now in Jacob. And as a matter of fact, often we hear it referred to, even in Scripture, and certainly even in our day, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob I'm glad Jacob is included in that scripture as it has often been pointed out because we kind of stagger at the power and the shadow of Abraham and certainly we stagger in the shadow of Isaac but I believe there's a lot of people here that can relate to Jacob We've had our struggles. We have staggered. We have turned right when we should have turned left or vice versa. We have stopped when we should have moved forward or we've moved forward when we should have stopped. And so we understand this staggering and stumbling man by the name of Jacob. But God used him emphatically. I mean, undeniably, God used Jacob to do many mighty things. As a matter of fact, Jacob's sons, became the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob was born the younger of twins, and uh, the, the, he, he, he just comes into the world with uh, some, note, uh, some sense of notoriety in the fact that when he was born, that he was born holding on the heel uh, of, of his brother Esau. His name literally means heel grabber or supplanter, deceiver. Jacob lived up to his name. He absolutely lived up to his name. And sadly, even with the assistance of his very own mother, his very own mother, Rebekah, they cheated his brother out of Esau. They devised a plan to cheat his brother Esau out of his birthright and blessings. And, and this seems to just to have set the trajectory for the next many years of Jacob's life. And, uh, you know, it wasn't what she thought was really going to be the right thing. Uh, she was scheming and working. Amen. man, there, there, were, there were many things and there are many things that we, could be preached on when we talk about Jacob, that's for sure. I've read to you this morning about this grand spiritual experience that he had in the desert. That was our text. This is where the Bible says that he saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder, and we refer to that as Jacob's ladder. It wouldn't necessarily be a ladder in the sense that we think of a ladder today, but more like a stairway in that that vision of angels just coming and going from heaven to earth. Amen. Here, what a powerful Uh, experience and then it is followed with a great and mighty word if we were to try and summarize his life from that moment to where we find him later this is what we would come up with in genesis 28 he has a vision and he realizes that god is in this place he gathers rocks he builds a monument to the lord anoints it with oil, changes the name of the place from Luz to Bethel, because he said, this is, God has been in this place. I know that God is is here. And he said, this is gonna be the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, It's not anything like what we would think if you were on a tour and somebody said, now the next place up here on the right is gonna be the gate of heaven and the house of God. And we just go up there and it's just an oily rock in a sandy place. But Jacob said, you don't understand. God spoke to me here and God anointed me here. Amen, he calls that the house of God even though it doesn't even remotely resemble what we think at least in our mind is a church. In chapter 29, Jacob meets Rachel. Oh, what a sweet story, amen. The Bible says that he saw her and he kissed her and just began to weep and before you make fun, we've all been there. Amen, and if you haven't been there, I feel sorry for you and we'll add you to our prayer list, amen. But he meets Rachel and he decides, I just must have her. I just must have her for my wife and so, Uh, Of course, in meeting Rachel, now he has to meet her father, his soon to be father-in-law, a man by the name of Laban who was cut out of the same fabric as Jacob. This turned out to be a pretty tumultuous relationship because Laban tricks Jacob into marrying his oldest daughter Leah. What a grand way to begin your relationship with your in-laws. And then he demands, whenever Jacob wants a refund, he demands that he's gonna have to work another seven years in order to get Rachel. But Jacob willingly, willingly worked. That second seven years. And in chapter 30, we see Jacob getting an opportunity now. Amen, Jacob said, I'm gonna be able to settle the score with my father-in-law. And this is where, in this chapter, it's where we find Jacob cutting the streaks in the poplar branches, and, and, uh, and he, he gains a little ground and gets ahead of the game by, by the spotted animals and growing his herd. Now remember, all of these things that I'm talking to you about happened to Jacob after this grand experience in the desert after this dream of angels coming down and going back. You know, it just seems like in our minds, in our sometimes judgmental mind, that we look at situations like that and we think, you know, if I had an experience like that, I would just serve God all the days of my life. And, and we think, and I heard someone recently, not here, but I heard someone recently in town was mentioning to me, they said, you know, if, if, if something miraculous were to happen, and, and they mentioned to me somebody that <clears throat> had a terminal disease, and they thought, you know, if, if God could just somehow Raise them up. They're a public figure, and it would impact this community, and perhaps it would change people's opinion about God. And while I appreciate, uh, while I appreciate the spirit of what was being said, my mind went to a passage of Scripture of rich man and the Lazarus. And he said, "If you could just, if you could just send, uh, if you could just send somebody to tell my brothers, if you could just somehow, and and, and in that story we find some pointed but very accurate and powerful." words that we must allow to brand our hearts and he said if they will not hear moses and the prophets then they would not they would not be changed though one raised from the dead Amen, we we think if something spectacular were to just happen, that that would just forever seal all four corners of our lives. But let me tell you this morning that, that no matter what kind of Bethel experience we have, you see, there's gonna be some life to live on the other side of that. On the other side of that Bethel experience, you may have to bury some loved ones. On the other side of that Bethel experience, you may have to come to terms with some disease in your life or sickness perhaps even terminal or serious things on the other side of Bethel. There may be some family situations that just change the dynamics of our lives forever. Amen. But in the process of all of the things that I experience in life, I just want to say, Lord, whatever I do, don't let me forget Bethel. Uh, There's going to be some things that are bidding for my attention. There's going to be some love interest in that of Rachel and and she's gonna sweep me off my feet. I'm gonna meet, I'm gonna meet her shrewd father and he's gonna, he's gonna do me wrong right out of the gate and that's gonna change, that's gonna blur my vision and that's gonna change, that's gonna make a kaleidoscope of the things in my spirit. But oh God, I pray, don't let me forget what happened to me at Bethel. Amen, all of these things that I'm talking to you about happened after this great spiritual experience. I don't want to get ahead of myself but I guess what I'm driving at today is this that no matter what God does for us today no matter what happens to us in the midst of this service it's not going to be enough, hear me it will not be sufficient it will not be enough to just seal off our lives from ever having to experience things that are going to serve as a distraction and so no matter how high we hang our coat on the stars today hear me we had still better walk out of here saying, Lord, this has been grand. Oh, God, this has been marvelous. Lord, you spoke some things into my spirit today. You confirmed some things in my heart, but I want you to make a deal with me, Lord. Help me that I never forget Bethel. I just gotta remember this. I've gotta do whatever it takes to remember Bethel. When the children of Israel were making their way from Egypt, you know the story Forward and backward, but when they came out, God did miraculous things for them. Amen. God delivered them from the heavy hand of Pharaoh, and yet they kept forgetting the God that delivered them. And finally, in the book of Numbers, God said to Moses, He said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the children of Israel, for every one of them, man, woman, and boy, and girl, I want you to have them sew in the border of their garment a ribbon of blue this is not for decorations this is not to be in style this is not to try to keep up with the Joneses but they're having some problems they're having some trouble I want you to sew a ribbon of blue into their garment and when they see that ribbon of blue that is to remind them I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God and so in the evening when you're washing your feet amen you're going to have to reach a around that ribbon of blue to remember that I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And so I say, God, help me whatever I gotta do. If I gotta tie that string around my finger, if I gotta sew something into the border of my garment, oh, hallelujah, I must, I must, I must remember Bethel. I must remember, Beth. <laughs> Hallelujah! Just on a side note, I haven't thought of this in years, literally. But I was preaching a message actually on that scripture probably twenty five seven six six, or seven years ago and and uh and with the particular church I was we were preaching in that night I preached a message about this ribbon of blue. The next night we came to church, there was a real elderly man in the church and for many years I remembered his name but he came and, and that night on his lapel. During the day he had gone somewhere and got a little ribbon of blue and that night he pinned that on his lapel. Amen. And the next time I saw him, which was a month later, we say, we came back by that church and when we got there, that old man still had, I say that respectfully, the elderly gentleman had, had that ribbon of blue still pinned on the lapel of that suit. Several years later, we went back by that church for a meeting and that old old ribbon of blue was dirty and it was stained, it was spotted, and it was splotched. But I'm gonna tell you, that gentleman that night said, I got it, I got a hold of something. You say, well, that's a little extreme, that's a little bizarre. I'm gonna tell you, if it'll help you remember Bethel, if it'll help you remember where you come from, if it'll help us remember the pit from which we were pulled, or the rock from which we were hewn, it won't be too much, it won't be too extreme, it won't be too bizarre, because whatever I do, Lord, I say, don't let me forget Bethel, don't let me forget where you spoke to my heart, oh, don't let me forget God, when you whispered something into my spirit. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Oh oh oh, oh, oh. oh. oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Even after this great experience. This great spiritual awakening—he still got old Jake to deal with. He still got drives and desires and passions and and scheming and 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 conniving. It's still—it's just under the surface. It's just right there. It's just right there. He's—he's scarcely—he has scarcely established his steps from finding Rachel before he realizes he's been cheated. There's something in Jacob that rose up. I'll get him if it's the last thing I do I'll get Laban for this I'll settle the score and that's why he didn't forget he did not forget amen we see we see those traits in chapter 31 he realizes now that Laban has called on that, that Jacob has 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 got all of these spotted sheep and, and and animals, and now he realizes that his herd is overgrowing the herd of Laban, and and now Laban is mad, and it's a push pull relationship and and so Jacob is selling the score and now Laban is getting his hand to the sword. In chapter 31 he realizes that his father-in-law is after him and so he starts running for his life. But now I want you to watch carefully here in chapter 31 verse 12 and 13 the first time that Jacob really comes to the realization that my life is on the line. I mean I I know we've been kind of jabbing and I, I know there's been a little family issue here going on and I know we hadn't gotten along and weren't always able to sit close at family reunions but this has kind of gone another step. This is kind of taken a step I didn't realize and now I realize that if I'm not careful Laban is going to kill me and so in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 31 the Lord speaks to him and he reminds him of Bethel and he said you Jacob you need to return to the land of your fathers you're running and you're running scared and you got all kind of problems in your life but I think the real issue here Jacob is that you have forgotten Bethel you left Bethel too far in the rearview mirror and so you need to get back to Bethel in chapter 32 we see Jacob in the fight of his life now this is a real famous passage of scripture because this is where Jacob finally comes to the end of himself and he's in a fight, he's in the fight of his life with an angel and he realizes that I can't go on in this fashion and so he wrestles to the breaking of day and he said I will not let you go until you bless me I will not let you go and it was the time that God here renamed him Israel which means he struggles with God or literally for thou has contended with Elohim In fact, Jacob struggled with God most of his days, as many of us do. However, as he matured in his faith, Jacob began to depend on God more and more. But the turning point for him was indeed this all-night prayer meeting and wrestling match. And in the end, the Lord touched Jacob's hip And he was a broken man, but he was a new man. From that day forth, Jacob kind of walked with that limp, reminding him of that night that night spent in prayer a forever changed man he may have forgotten Bethel but he'll never forget this particular place amen it was here that Jacob finally gave up and learned to give control to God his story teaches us many life lessons it teaches us how an imperfect person can be so greatly blessed of God not because of who or he or she may be but because of who God is it teaches us that even though God revealed himself to Jacob Jacob took a long time to become a true servant of the Lord I'm preaching to people here today that you're still in the process in the process of what God has spoken to you yesterday and where you see yourself today you're frustrated and you want to throw up your hands and say I can't live for God I just can't make the sacrifices you deem sacrifices that that is going to be necessary to live for God but let me tell you this morning one more time you won't have to give up one thing to serve God that you won't eventually have to give up to go to hell and so if there's going to be some giving up why don't you let go of it today amen why won't you let go of it right now and just serve God well you just say I love this party in life preacher and I'm not willing to give up this party in life well let me tell you there won't be any dance floors in hell amen let me tell you there won't be be no promiscuous living there, and so whatever you're gonna give up, why don't you let go of it today? Amen. You're gonna have to let go of it one day. I'm talking about hallelujah, death, death will pry it out of your cold hands one day. And so, if I'm gonna let go of it, I'm gonna let go of it today. Hallelujah! I'm gonna remember Bethel, I'm gonna wrap my arms around that holy rock. And I'm going to say, God, do with me what you will. Do with me what you can. I don't want to forget Bethel. Don't let me forget Bethel. Oh, hallelujah. It teaches us as we look at his life. It teaches us that even though we often worry about missing the will of God for our lives, and that's a, that is a, a, a something worth consideration, amen, it, it lets me know this, that even though I worry about missing the will of God for my life, I realize through the life of Jacob that God can still work beyond my mistakes and beyond my bad decisions. Jacob is on a journey. Now, if you remember this, I mentioned this a moment ago, but if you remember, Jacob had cheated his brother out of his birthright just over a simple bowl of beans in a vulnerable moment. And Jacob now, now, I'd rather Esau now, they're much older, they're at a completely different place in their life, and Esau realizes what really has happened to him. And he says, I'm going to get him. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get him. And so Jacob realizes, I, I've got to make this right. But he was really unsure how Esau was going to, how Esau was really going to receive him. Amen. And so in chapter 33, we see that miraculously, and all of these are beautiful stories, and they're all worthy of their own message. But in chapter 33, we see how that God really did go ahead and, and he ran ahead as a forerunner, if you please, for Jacob and he mended the heart of Esau and they came together and, and instead of Esau cutting his head off, he fell on the neck of Jacob. They embraced and, and the the wounds, years-long wounds between these siblings now is healing. Amen. However... However, there is this looming spiritual principle that just cannot be overlooked here and that principle is the law of the harvest according to Galatians 6 and 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so I'm not trying to paint your world gray but it would be remiss if we didn't talk about the whole story. Amen. That's where we find... Jacob in chapter 34. It's, it's now a little harvest coming due. There's a harvest of all this deceiving and robbing and lying and cheating. And God, I said in thirty-one, twelve and 13, said, Jacob, you need to get back to Bethel. You need to get back to the land of your father. You need to get home. That's where you need to get. And Jacob, if you have any wit about you whatsoever, you, you need to get home. But Jacob still keeps walking the other way. And, and finally, I suppose, I'm not sure how this worked out in the mind of Jacob, but he, but he remembers that word. I need to get back to Bethel. I need to get back to Bethel. And so Jacob does what a lot of us do. He starts walking toward Bethel. And he gets part of the way to Bethel, to Shechem. And he thinks, this is sufficient. This ought to work. I could just camp out here, rebuild my life here, and I'm 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 pointed in the right direction. I'm doing the right thing. I'm I'm sort of obeying the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody today. The Lord said you need to get back to Bethel. The prince of that country that he has chosen to drive his tent stakes looks out. And sees one of his daughters and desires her. And he takes advantage of her. And when the news of that gets back to the home of Jacob and his brothers, they devise a plan that before they're done, blood is going to be running in the streets. And you hear me today. Amen. I'm going to walk back toward Bethel. I'll get to Shechem. This should be close enough. It's not close enough, Jacob, because I said, you better get back where you know I am. You better get back where you know I am. I'm preaching to some people today that like to come here to church just long enough to warm your hands a little bit around the fire of Pentecostal worship and prayer and praise. But in your heart, you have no intention of selling out. In your heart, you have no intention of giving everything to God. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy this season for a time or this feeling for a season. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna warm my hands around this. I'm gonna go back to Shechem. But let me tell you today, I'm I'm asking you not to just walk toward vessel. I believe there's a warning in the spirit that says you need to remember where you have been with God and you better get back right there where you have been with God because I'm not trying to sound cliche, but that that has been born in the fire can't live outside of the fire. Amen. Somewhere in your heart, there's a hunger and there's a longing and the devil's trying to keep you mesmerized where you are, but the Lord is saying remember, remember. Remember, remember, it was just an oily rock in a sandy place, but it was, but it, it was the gate of heaven. It was an oily rock in a sandy place, but it was my house. It was where I chose to meet with you. It was where angels came. It was where angels came. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, what a price! Oh, what a price! Oh, what a price. I want our musicians to come. Oh, what a price was paid. His daughter was raped. His daughter was taken advantage of. And oh, how cruel and terrible that was. Man, it was so sad because this young man really, really—he really loved her. He just wasn't thinking right. He, he was just used to being a prince and and getting whatever he wanted. But he really loved her. But when her brothers found, when her brothers found out when the sons of Jacob found out, oh, the anger and the hurt and the bitterness and the murder that rose up in their heart, and they made a crafty deal. They made a crafty deal with the inhabitants of that land, and they said, "We'll be your." friends and we'll stand with you, amen, you don't have to bring us no big dowry, all we want you to do is just have all your men circumcised if you'll just agree to have all your men circumcised and they thought well what a cheap price, what a well, that, you know, that's something everybody, every man can do that and, and we won't have to come up with all this gold and this silver but these men knew what they were doing and on the third day, the day of soreness When they knew those men were not fit for battle, they went in and slew them and blood and ran in the street. And Jacob is panicked, Brother Rayleigh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My daughter has been raped. My my sons are murderers. How? How did I get here? How in the world? how in the world did I get here chapter 35 verse number 1 a God of second chances speaks (laughs) that same God of Genesis 28 That same voice, that same voice that came to Jacob in the stillness of the night. Chapter 35, I know it's just a few pages in your Bible, but friend, there's a lot of years and bumps and scrapes and bruises and disillusioned moments. But Genesis 35 and 1, and God said to Jacob, stand standing there with blood splatter on his garments of innocent men. He's standing, he's standing ankle deep in the blood of innocent men now. How am I going to fix this, God? How am I going to change this, God? How is there ever going to be a new day in my life? And God said, Just get up, Jacob. That's all you got to do. Just get up, Jacob. Get up. Forget about the blood. our garments it's going to be a new day in the house of Jacob why 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 Why? because I remember I remember I remember you see drifting is so easy it's so subtle it's so subtle you just drift you just get away from where you once were I'm preaching to people that have been baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. I'm preaching to people that know the power of God. I'm not preaching to just people that are, that are familiar with their mama's religion or their daddy's God, but I'm preaching to people that know it for themselves because they tasted it. You drift so far. You drift so far. You just drift so far. You just drift so far. You just drift so far I I don't know what God is going to require of me as a pastor I'm trying to give God my very best I'm trying to give God everything I'm trying to be all that I need to be I'm trying to be the leader naturally And I'm trying to be the leader spiritually that I need to be but I tell you in all of the things that I'm asking God to do I'm asking God to stretch me I'm asking God to stretch me as a person, as a husband as a father I'm asking God to stretch me Amen but there's one thing that I better make sure I gotta anchor myself where I know God is I know God is here And so we're going to grow. We're going to stretch. We're going to lengthen some cords. But I don't want us out here so far away that I can't feel Bethel pulling at my heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want our outreach ministries to grow. I want you to do all you can do for God. Don't get so far away that we have not anchored ourselves. I know, I know God is here, I know that he's here. I want us to do everything that God would have for us in our future, be the father, be the best father you can be, be the best mother you can be, but I'm gonna tell you, the best favor you'll do your family is to anchor yourself to Bethel, hallelujah, you anchor yourself, I know God is here. I know God is here. I can't see around the corner of my tomorrows. I can't see over the horizon of my tomorrows, but I know God is here, and so I'm gonna tie myself to something sure. I'm gonna tie myself to something safe, and when I can't find my way, when I'm feeling my way in the darkness, how am I gonna get back? You just start holding on. You hold on because this friend is anchored in. Jehovah this is anchored in Bethel this is anchored in the gate of heaven this is anchored in the house of God oh oh, oh 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 We need to stand and respond not to me not to the message but we need to respond to God Amen we need to respond to God Hallelujah hallelujah we better get a hold we better get a hold of this thing we better get a hold of this thing Hallelujah. We better get a hold of this thing. And in the blinding storms of life. In the blinding storms of life. Amen. All you're going to need, brother is get your hand on that string. It'll lead you back to Bethel It'll pull you back where you know God has been. Uh, hallelujah. I gotta anchor myself. I gotta tie myself. I gotta pull myself to the altar. Oh. Ho, 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 ho. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I know, I know to many, it's just an oily rock in a sandy place, but I'm going to tell you it's home, it's hope, amen, we better respond to this, amen, would you just move out today as you feel led in the Holy Ghost, Amen, there's, there's room at this front. Amen, there's room for this
0: front. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m.